Hello and welcome to Search for Truth, your Bible study programme brought to you by the Churches of God in the UK and worldwide. I'm John Martin and we're at talk number three today in our series called Overcoming Objections to the Gospel. Perhaps you've met these type of objections in your quest to bring others to Christ if you're a believer. And today we consider the objection, what about the heathen? Those who've never had the gospel preached to them, whose personal circumstances have prevented them from having the opportunity to be told about God or the Bible. So, Brian, what about the heathen? Thanks, John. Well, the idea in the challenger's mind presumably is, if what Christianity claims is unfair by discriminating against some people groups, then it's not worth me even considering Christianity in the first place. I wonder if we could begin by remembering a story from Luke's Gospel. Luke in his Gospel, in chapter 7, tells us about a particular Roman centurion, someone who, as a military man, would know all about receiving and giving commands, for he was a military man in charge of a hundred men, plus servants. The Gospel records that this centurion admitted he was accustomed to being obeyed whenever he said go, come, or do. And so it had been with interest, I'm sure, that he'd listened to reports or perhaps observed for himself the authority of Jesus Christ. The power of Jesus was obvious when he spoke, when he healed diseases and when he exercised divine authority over both the natural and spiritual worlds. Then quite suddenly, the centurion was faced with a domestic crisis. His devoted servant became seriously ill and it was clear he was going to die. As it turns out, This particular centurion was a good master. He was someone who cared for his servant, and now he realised he needed Jesus' help. But it won't be easy, he thought, knowing that Jewish religious teachers didn't associate with the heathens, and he knew that's how he'd be regarded by the Jews. So he sent others to Jesus on his behalf, to appeal for him. This proved successful, and when the centurion received word that Jesus was coming to him, He sent again to Jesus, saying, Don't trouble yourself, Jesus. I'm not worthy for you to enter my house. Please, say the word where you are, and my servant will be healed. Just say the word, like I would give a command to one of my men. Jesus stopped. All around were unbelieving Jews, curious as always to see him perform miracles. But here, by contrast, was a heathen centurion who didn't seem to need to see the miracle, He already had every confidence in Jesus' ability. In response to such humility and faith, Jesus there and then healed the servant back at the centurion's home. Then, turning to the Jews, he announced he'd not come across such great faith anywhere in Israel. He'd found nothing to compare with the faith of this heathen centurion. Obviously, the Jews knew much more than the centurion and had greater privilege and opportunity. But what's interesting is that Jesus compared them unfavourably with this man who simply acted according to what he knew, however little that was in comparison. Nor is this the only time when Jesus compared the Jews of that time unfavourably with others who by comparison had relatively little knowledge of God. Once he assured his audience that a worse fate awaited them than the heathen inhabitants of a foreign city called Nineveh. This was because those heathens, or pagans, had previously changed their ways at the words of a preacher who'd been sent to them. That preacher was Jonah, of course. Yes, they responded to the light 
of the little knowledge of God that they had, while the Jews of Jesus' time, although more moral in their lives, hadn't responded even after being privileged to listen to a far greater preacher, Jesus, the Son of God himself. For they refused to change their attitudes and accept him. In the sight of God, greater opportunity and privilege always brings greater responsibility. So what's the relevance of this to us today? For those of us who've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, our responsibility is clear. God commands us all to repent and to believe on the Lord Jesus for salvation. If we refuse to personally accept that Christ died for our sins and rose again the third day, we simply can't expect to have a plea of ignorance accepted by God in the day of final judgment, a day which will come to us all. There will be no excuse. But what about those who've never heard the gospel? This is a question raised by some as if to sidestep their own responsibility. That's not possible, by the way. We'll all one day stand before Jesus Christ to be held fully accountable. But how will God deal with the heathen? We have to admit we don't have all the answers. God hasn't revealed everything. Our small minds are very limited anyway. God's thoughts are far above ours, as the Bible makes clear. However, we can have every confidence in the absolute fairness of a holy God who is our maker and our judge. All the biblical evidence confirms this. Take, for instance, the account of a man concerned that all the inhabitants of a notorious city should not unfairly share the fate of the wicked. He even spoke to God about his concern. It's right for us, too, to be concerned for others, but we can trust God in this matter. Abraham, the man we're referring to, certainly did. Finally, he reassured himself with the words, the judge of all the earth will deal justly. And so he will. Having said that, no one, in reality, is totally ignorant of God. For by looking around at this marvellous universe, we really ought to acknowledge the existence of an almighty divine being who is its creator. Because of this, the Bible says everyone is without excuse. Even though some might never have heard of the Ten Commandments as such, what remains true, because the Bible says it is, is that God has implanted a moral code within everyone on this planet. The voice of conscience makes us aware of it. God will judge everyone by the appropriate standard. Those ignorant of everything else will be judged according to the law of conscience by a God who's totally fair. All of this, which we've just been saying, is summed up by the Apostle Paul in the first two chapters of his letter to the Romans. It's there he sums up the case of the so-called heathen, for want of a better term. By it we mean those who've not enjoyed a revelation from God like the Jews received. This, then, is what we read in Romans chapters 1 and 2. For since the creation of the world, his, that's God's, invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For there is no partiality with God. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles, 
who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these, not having the law, are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them, on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. I want to make clear three things that we can learn from those verses we've just read together. Number one, Everyone has enough information to know that God exists. No matter what their lifetime circumstances or when they lived in human history, there's simply no excuse for not believing in a creator. As we've already said, the wonders of creation are sufficient evidence. For every effect, there must be a cause. For an effect so magnificent as this vast universe, there must be an even greater first cause – a supreme being. And number two, everyone violates the standard they know. Men and women down throughout history who've never enjoyed a revelation from God will still be judged by their God-given conscience. And as the verse says, there are definitely times when our conscience accuses us. Our conscience being like the little red light on the dashboard of our lives, which warns us when we go against what we intuitively or otherwise know to be right. And finally, number three, God is the righteous and impartial judge. Let's be clear, if Paul or anyone else like James sometimes appear to be talking about being judged according to our works, this in no way contradicts the Bible's teaching that we are saved only by God's grace through faith on our part. It's just that every true believer has works. There's always going to be some outward evidence of true faith. So any appearance of people being judged by their works is not in conflict with salvation by faith. The works serve only to visibly demonstrate the faith behind them. So summing up the Bible's own answer to the objection, what about the heathen? Let's repeat the three facts which Paul shares in opening his defence of the Christian message to those early Christians at Rome. In that text, preserve for us in the Bible his letter to the Romans. The three facts once again are these. Everyone has enough information to know that God exists. Everyone violates the standard they know. God is the righteous and impartial judge. As if to the objector who's been challenging the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, the Bible says, you are without excuse. There's no excuse for not believing God's good news of how we can find forgiveness in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. For what's true is that all have sinned and fallen short of God's requirement, and Jesus is the only way of salvation. No one will be judged for not having heard the gospel. But you have now. Greater opportunity, as we've seen, brings with it greater responsibility. It's those who've heard who need to be personally concerned. What will you do with Jesus? I urge you now to follow the example of the Roman centurion, repent in humility and accept Christ in faith as your saviour. He really does have the power to forgive sins, your sins.
As Brian said, we don't have all the answers and even God's word keeps us guessing over some of the issues. However, we can be confident that God will do justly and his way is right. That's all we have for now, but if you've uh, any questions or you'd like copies of the free transcript booklet, ask for Overcoming Objections and write to Search for Truth, P.O. Box 111, Lee, spelt L-E-I-G-H. The postcode is WN71WJ, England. If you're listening in Australia, write to Search for Truth, Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134. In Africa, please write to Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomani, Blantyre, Malawi, or Search for Truth, P.O. Box 37, Suraliri, Lagos State, Nigeria. Canadian listeners write to Search for Truth, P.O. Box 28026, Brantford, Ontario, N3R7E0. Alternatively, you can email us. The address is sft at churchesofgod.info and you may be interested to visit our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. It's been a joy to have your company and I hope you can join us next week for the objection, Isn't the Christian Experience Only Psychological? Till then, it's cheerio from all of us in the studio and may God richly bless you wherever you are. Then change my soul, my Savior God to thee.